You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 29 West Tolpehawken Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. The start of the summer is a transitional time of year. You might be feeling that. Uh, Many of us are getting used to new schedules, and some of us have graduated or had kids that did. Raise your hand if you graduated middle school, high school, elementary, high school, or had someone who in your household who did graduate. Hannah graduated preschool. Aaliyah graduated elementary school. I know Evelyn Feldman graduated middle school. It's moving on to high school. The Getzes have a graduate in their household. Anybody else? Well, uh, so it's not just graduations. Uh, the, as a congregation, we had a graduation of sorts ourselves as we moved here to West Tulpehawken into this bigger space. A few of us were even tabling at the Juneteenth Festival two blocks from here yesterday. There's our crew meeting people, letting people know that we're here. A few more of us uh, moved or are looking to move. Molly and her husband just moved, right? The Crosswells did. Um, The Umanas in my cell are looking to move, also Monda. Anybody else moving or looking to move that you know of? Mumbauers are trying to move. Uh, And Sam and Paul got married this past week. Yes, in New Jersey. We'll see them again when they get back from South Africa. Anyway, there are a lot of big events happening. There are a lot of big transitions happening. Babies being born, thank you, yes. Cora, Cora was born and more coming. These events are a big deal, right? When you, when you graduate or you get married, you usually have a ceremony to mark that accomplishment or milestone. Uh, these other transitions that we're talking about don't necessarily get a ceremony or, or even get acknowledged in the same way. But all of these transitions can stir things up in us and, and around us in our lives. To move, to graduate, to get married, to have a baby is exciting, but it can also be a lot to adjust to. Sometimes it's hard to savor the moment when you've exhausted, you're so exhausted from trying to get to that point. After all the buildup and the anticipation, the work, the travel, you then have to figure out what's next. I think that that can be a strange and difficult part of a big moment. Right at the moment of culmination and fruition, there's the beginning of a whole new challenge. You can see that in in this move as a congregation, we, for all the times that we said we were ready, uh, now that we're here and the air conditioner wasn't working for the first two weeks, and um, there's a lot of new challenges and things to figure out and get and adjust to, there can be fear in transition and loss. Like, what if all the good times are in the past? What if this was the best thing I ever had or I ever did? How will I get something else? How will something else be better? 
If I got attached to the people that I was doing this with, how will we stay close? What happens when my cell multiplies and I'm meeting with different people? How will I apply what I learned or pay off this debt? There can be a lot of uncertainty in the midst of accomplishment. Jesus is no stranger to that tension, to helping us move through uncertainty in faith. We say that we're called to move with what the Spirit is doing next because we have this crazy hope based on the resurrection of Christ that God will always, does always want to do a great new thing in us and through us. But it doesn't erase the difficulty or the goodness of the old things, but it does call us to keep moving on in hope for ourselves and for others. Last week, we marked what is known as the birth of the early church with Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came to the early, upon the early believers. This was the promise fulfilled that whatever lies ahead, they would not be alone. God's presence was with them through the Spirit. He sent the Spirit to move in and through us as his followers. So when we move through these big transitions, it's good to ask, what is the Spirit of God doing here? I hope to get into that question and, and that hope with you tonight. In the midst of whatever joy or uncertainty or loss that you are holding but as I was thinking about Pentecost, I want to go back to a moment before the Spirit came. Mary Magdalene has her own sort of graduation moment with Jesus right after his resurrection when she gets called to move with what the Spirit is doing next. I want to look at a story with you because it's one of the real moments that is totally wonderful and difficult at the same time. It's that irony of feeling complete and fulfilled right in the middle of change. Jesus comes back from the dead, literally, and she finally gets him back personally, the one who captured her heart and transformed her life. And in that moment, he says to her, Mary, do not hold on to me. I think that's kind of rough, actually. The way it sounds can, can uh, really trigger your loss or loneliness. But I think Jesus is saying something deeper that we need. So I hope, I hope he'll speak that to us and to our hearts right now. Let me pray for us before we go on. Jesus, show us your presence with us right now your promise in the midst of loss and transition that we are not alone. And, and give us your comfort, Lord, through your comforter, the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read this story to you through in John chapter 20, verse 11 through 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent, over the tomb to, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. 
And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went with the went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I think it's important to start with the fact that Mary was really sad. Have you ever been so sad that you can't, like, see what's right in front of you? That's where Mary's at. She doesn't, she doesn't even recognize Jesus until he says her name. And then that's the moment of recognition. Because it's, it's, if there's one thing we know about Mary, it's that Jesus got her. He knew her. And, and she knew it. And she allowed his love and his power to change her life. Uh, You might know that there's a lot of controversy about Mary Magdalene for the past thousand years or so, since some people have planted the notion that she was a former prostitute, and then the Da Vinci Code, that she uh, was married to Jesus. What we find in the Bible, though, is a true convert. She She is an actual disciple. The newest uh, Mary Magdalene movie, which I've not seen yet, uh, seems to be more along these lines. Oh, I was a slide behind, I think. Sorry, there she is. Has anybody seen this? No. I haven't seen it yet, but I read that, that it highlights the real controversy around Mary Magdalene and that a woman could be so instrumental to the movement. That it wasn't just that Jesus got her, it was also that she really got Jesus, like spiritually speaking. And her witness and her testimony sparked the heart of Christian faith. Like when the other disciples wanted Jesus to overthrow the Romans and create this new kingdom without death or suffering, Mary understood that Jesus has to die and that his kingdom is of the heart, like it's personal, right here and now. She does seem to get that. But of course, she wants to remain in this moment with her Savior, so it must have been initially hard to hear Jesus say, do not hold on to me. But because she wants to trust him and is obedient, she lives into a real hopeful and powerful meaning of his words. He says, I haven't ascended to my father yet. 
Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. I think Jesus is giving us um, three pieces of encouragement here. And the one, the first one is that there is more. He's not finished yet. No matter how great things are, there is more good coming. The verb for hold on here is to, is to fasten to or to cling. Mary wasn't trying to have a momentary touch. She was trying to hang on to the past. She was afraid to lose him and the connection that they had. And Jesus was saying, you don't have to cling on to the past, Mary, because there is a future. I haven't yet ascended to my father. So there's much, there's more work to do. And I need you to help me do it. I can get really comfortable with my life or even nostalgic about the past. Um, that I kind of want to hold on to how things have been. And I was having my own moment of this this past week when I was going through old photos. In our house, we have uh, pictures going up our staircase of our kids um, as they have grown. But I kind of stopped at a certain point and don't have any more. So I was looking through old pictures thinking, I want to print some more and add more. But then going through these photos made me very sentimental. I thought I would share just one with each of you. (laughs) There's Isaiah and Aaliyah. You can just see their personalities, can't you? (laughs) It makes, it literally kind of makes my heart do a little flip-flop. I don't miss being home with babies. I don't want to go back to that stage, but still, there's something about seeing their faces and their personalities in these pictures that just makes me feel it all over again. I get attached to these memories of my kids, particularly through pictures. I think that's how it might be, how Mary felt in this moment with Jesus. It was like the past was too precious to give up. Even that moment was too precious to give up. She wanted to stay She didn't know how any particular arrangement could be better. It's hard for us to imagine that too, right? We don't know what's coming next. We only know what's happened in the past. Jesus was right there. Jesus was right that there was more and that he wasn't done yet. He was pointing her towards the future. I think the second promise that Jesus is giving Mary in the midst of this difficult transition is that they are going to be even more fully together in this new arrangement by faith, heart to heart and spirit to spirit. Mary gets to be eternal now through Jesus' death and resurrection. So their relationship never has to end and their work together is even more connected. That's what Jesus meant when he said, I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And he later promises the disciples that he will not leave them alone. He will send his spirit. That had to be comforting and yet still hard to wrap your mind around. 
in the midst of change, that Jesus' Father is now their Father and their God. I think that's especially important to remember today on Father's Day, when so much of the ways that we think of God are connected to our relationship with our earthly father. But Jesus is saying, my father is yours. We are part of the family now. We are truly brothers and sisters in this family that redeems the whole world. Jesus and Mary are way more connected than they ever were. And even if he leaves them, even when he leaves them, he promises to send his spirit, like we talked about last week. One of our um, Compassion Corps team members sent out an article the other week um, that speaks to one of our major oppressing issue of our time, loneliness. I think that capitalism really affects all of us in terms of the pressure that we feel to make our own way in the world. We're all fed this individualism no matter how intact your family is or how privileged you are. You're supposed to figure out your own unique self, live your best life, as Will Crosswell said in our cell. Um, figure out your own unique purpose. And I think it's left a whole generation quite isolated. Ironically, perhaps because, more so because of technology. Because now we can control all of our interactions according to our preferences. And this article is talking about um, this money-making industry of uh, anything that might take the edge off of our loneliness like dating and friendship apps, bars and restaurants, co-working spaces, pharmaceutical drugs, city living. None of these things are bad things, but uh, they're trying to fill a hole that can only be filled by undoing some of these lies about our aloneness and developing a friendship with God, seeing ourselves as part of the family. Uh, sharing in a mission and a purpose with others in that friendship with God. And this article doesn't get to God, uh, of course, but it does conclude that honing in on a mission and a purpose larger than yourself and working with others in community, even with people that you don't get along with, actively striving towards something greater for the common good can cure can, could be a cure for loneliness and, and a key to our survival. So that makes me, uh, brings me to the last promise, I think, that Jesus is giving Mary in the same breath that he says, don't hold on to me. He's also saying, in this new era, Mary, people need to hold on to you. And that's kind of why we exist as a circle of hope at all to be the presence of Jesus in the world, to be a people that someone could hang on to and know. I was having this conversation last week at our splash party, actually, with someone who was saying, basically, why can't we just all um, be connected to everyone everywhere? He was really pushing back against all the division 
and um, separation that's happening, which I think is a good instinct. But at the same time that we're doing that, we are trying to resist that. We are also forming a unique community with a sense of ourselves and our purpose so that it has enough gravity for people to be drawn in, for people to get close to Jesus by their sense of being a part of this specific whole. The grace and the presence of Jesus is a love that is meant to grow. I think that's Jesus' main point to Mary. Their love wasn't meant to be just between the two of them or, you know, among the disciples with a dozen people or so, or even the 77 that he sent out, or, or the four congregations of Circle of Hope. It's much bigger than that. It's meant to touch and to change the whole world. And Jesus is urgent about moving in that direction right away through the people that he's closest to and, and the people he trusts the most. He's not trying to just hog up their love for himself. He's hoping that they'll go and tell others, just like Mary did. Compassion and connection, the, the very thing that gives our lives purpose and meaning, must be experienced. It's not just an idea that you can have. So I think that you and I are the antidote, anecdote to... Um, antidote, sorry, said the wrong word to loneliness. We are together. That's why we organize our, ourselves in cell groups, because we need, we need an opportunity to keep relating face-to-face -face and build real relationships. So if you're not a part of a cell, I hope that you'll connect to one. People need your presence in their lives. And sometimes you don't even know that until you get next to someone and realize that you actually have something to offer. The best way, I think, to absorb this from Jesus is to come together and to get to know each other and to pray. Like Mary, you are an important part of the work that Jesus is trying to do in the world. And the love that you have is meant to be shared and to grow. And some of you have already beautifully deep relationships in this congregation, and that's good. But it's not supposed to end there. The saving grace of Jesus is not in us, is not just for us. It's meant to keep touching others. That's the direction Jesus is leading in all the time. Again, that's what we mean when we say that we're meant to be moved, keep moving with the Spirit. That's the direction that Jesus is taking us. So let me pray for us, and then you'll have some time to talk back. Lord, thank you for not leaving us alone. Your movement of self-giving love is changing the world. And we need the courage to keep moving with you. To know how valuable that we are and to your mission and to each other. Not out of obligation, but out of love. 
So help us to absorb that in a way that we can keep sharing it, keep extending ourselves, and keep growing deeper even as we include those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.